Blog Talk Radio. President-elect. Welcome to Desperate House, which is my name is Raina Starr. I am joined for the hour by the wonderful, amazing author, Courtney Weber. But before we bring Courtney on, Desperate House, which is, is not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So if anything I say, bad language, bodily functions might upset you, you may not want to listen. Today is going to be a celebration of the news that we received just over an hour ago. Uh, Desperate House, which is brought to you by the incredible Wicked One, Dorothy Morrison. Check out wickedwitchstudios.com. And if you need her products shipped overseas, check out theangrycauldron.com. Without any further delay, Courtney Weber, what do you have to say about it? And there yeah. was one that there's been a lot of memes that were uh, poking fun at Nevada, and I, I love Nevada, so I'm not, I am not, but it, there was um, one that just kept coming up where it's like, how is Nevada counting the votes? And it was that song from the early 2000s that was like, one, you're like a dream come true, two, and it just says, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what song I'm talking about? Do you remember that song? I do. <laughs> oh, God, he counts to five, and it takes like, the entire two minutes to count to five. And so that song has been in my head all week. And now it's, it's suddenly not. And I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing brand new day from, uh, from the whiz. So. <laughs> Great. Yes. People are, you know, people are sending it's, me. It's, yeah. And I was just going to say, when we were first talking about doing this show, we, we had a title for it, and it was called Do We Still Have a Country? Because we had no idea what was going to happen. This is months ago. Right. But, in, but in answer to the question, do we still have a country, the answer is a resounding yes. So, yeah, you know, here's the thing. When I woke up this morning, and I've been actually avoiding the news because I was so burned from last time that I was afraid to get I was afraid to have my heart broken again because I still haven't healed from 2016, obviously. So having this happen this morning was just like, you know, I kept here because everyone's been telling me all week, Raina, it's going to be fine. We're going to get this. And I'm like, I don't trust these people. I don't know these people. I keep hearing, you know, Trump's up on his numbers. He's down on his numbers. He's up on his numbers. He's down on his numbers. I mean, I've been on an emotional roller coaster since Tuesday. Well, a lot longer than Tuesday, but really since Tuesday with this vote count. And I've had to learn a lot about how votes are counted because I just assumed everybody who voted early had already been counted. They hadn't been. Right. 
So right. it's been a and learning experience. No, please go ahead. Yeah. And that's something I was telling my husband because on election night he was getting really nervous because, um, you know, some of the Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania were all looking kind of red. And um, yeah. he's like, oh, God, it's happened again. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm not being overly optimistic, but what I am seeing is that we st- there are still mail-in ballots. They have said all along lots of mail-in ballots were coming in that were trending Democrat and that we weren't going to know on election night. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is, you know, this is – I. One of the things I have been thinking about is um, the uh, the mortgage prophecy in Casmatura, um, the second battle of Moitura, and that at the end of one of the things that the Morgan is known for is that at the end of the great battle in which you know the the two Adidanu were able to defeat the Fomorians um, and send them back to the sea and be able to reclaim their country. Um, she was the one who was able to declare victory. And she was like, look, there's going to be cows are producing, uh, bees are buzzing, everything's going to be great. Everyone's like, yeah. And then she said, but then I see a really mm-hmm. scary world, which is going to be barren, and which is there's going to be terrible fortresses. And it's not, it's, it's not a good, it, it doesn't look good. And what I've right. been thinking on that one is that I feel like that liberals in particular, progressives, whatever you call them, is that, um, when Obama was pre- Obama became president twice, then it was like, okay, we've we've done the job. Now, of course, that's there are a lot of people who realize that there was still a lot of work to be done. So I want to make that very clear. But sure. I feel like the, when we're yeah. talking about like the liberal moderates, the moderate Democrats out in the suburbs of blue states um, or states that tend to be kind of swing states, they're like, yeah, we got this. This is fine. Look, we've got a black president. We've made some ma- major strides, and weren't paying attention to the kind of um, like really cruel, I don't want to even use the word shenanigans because that's almost like a, a fun, silly word, but like really the cruel tricks and, um, and the things that the, the right was doing to suppress, to suppress voters, to pack the courts, um, to yeah. make this, especially in some of these states where you have um, a large electorate that is at least democratic, and usually these are, these are often people of color. Um, I mean, the things that I see immediately we need to start working on is, is uh, we can celebrate today or we, ce- we can celebrate on inauguration. We can celebrate between now and inauguration. Let's just take the holidays off and let's celebrate. Um, but then we need to be starting to think about 2022. Um, you know, just don't think for a second that the right isn't already scheming on how to take that Congress. Right? Sure. Um, yeah, so it's like the right away, right away, start looking at the places where um, where Democratic seats are vulnerable and start looking at places where Republican seats are vulnerable, where Democrats have a chance to win. But even more than that, look at the places where voted, voting is being suppressed. Now, I know I've talked about this a lot when I've come on the show as a situation in Florida. So sure. Amendment 4 passed in 2018, in which 1.4 million people who had felonies on their record were suddenly given the right to vote, which before they were not able to vote. Now, and a lot of these individuals, um, I mean, uh, the um, African-Americans in this country are disproportionately incarcerated, so making that very clear, there's a lot of racism involved there. And so when you're looking at Florida, a lot of the people with, with felony convictions, you know, for small bullshit charges, carrying an ounce of marijuana when you're 18 or whatever, um, you know, are mm-hmm. still in their 50s and not able to vote. Um, and as, <laughs> you know, and, and um so, but then once that amendment was, amendment four was passed, and so these people technically had their voting rights restored, the Republicans came in and said, well, we'll only give it to you if you pay off your court fees. But there's a couple of problems there. Court fees can easily be over six digits. 
and the average person sure. is not going to be able to pay that back. And in addition mm-hmm. to that, it's hard for people to figure out what their court fees are or how to pay them up. So maybe they only have a few, you know, a little bit of money they owe, they want to pay it. They can't figure out how to do it because the system isn't designed for them to be able to pay off their court fees. So as much as like finger pointing was going on in Florida and especially pointing at the, at the Latinx population down there, which is really unfair. The truth is it's not that the Latinx people didn't show up for Biden. It's that the white people showed up for Trump and yeah. the um, Republicans mm-hmm. down there suppressed over a million people that likely, many of them likely would have voted for Biden. And that's, that's by design. That is literally by design. But knowing that these individuals are likely going to vote Democratic. And so let us make yeah. sure that they can never vote. That state, Florida would have been like scorchingly blue if Amendment 4 had done, if Amendment 4 had been allowed to do what it needed to do. So that to me is like the next battle is remove all obstacles for people to vote. Sure. So that includes people with felony convictions. Make sure that they know if their state has overturned that law that they now have, that they now have ability to vote. Get rid of these poll taxes, which is like honestly what these court fee payments are. And that is illegal in uh-huh. the United States for a poll tax, where you are not supposed to have to pay to vote. So what Florida is doing is illegal and it's unconstitutional. All right? And mm-hmm. so we have to get rid of that. And then the next thing that we need to do is to make sure that these voter ID laws are in the toilet. That's bullshit, okay? Um, and um, that, mail-in bo- that mail-in voting is accessible to everyone and is that the education is out there, that these votes are valid. Because also what has been very dangerous is this, this idea that, that ballots that come in after election date are illegal. And that's what all the stop the vote was going on, stop the count was going on. They are absolutely legal uh-huh. if they are postmarked by election day. Right? And right. so in Oregon, right. we've been doing mail-in, ballot, mail-in voting as long as, I, as long as I've been a voter since I was 18 years old. And it is awesome. Because you not only get your ballot at home, you also get a pamphlet that tells you everything that's on your ballot, tells you who's for it, who sponsors it, who's against it, and then you have the opportunity to do some research on your own. Your ballot's right there. I don't know enough about this measure. Let me Google it. And so then you can read what people are saying about it. You can get some more, you know, look for the fake pieces, look for the things that people, and then you can talk with your partner or your, your roommates or your friends and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this. How, what, are you, what are your thoughts? And my husband and I went through every single ballot measure together and talked about them before right. we made our decisions and got each other's perspective. You know, as a healthcare worker, it was really important to me to hear his perspective on psilocybin therapy, which passed, by the way. Um, so there's just, there's, yeah, so truly the next thing that we really need to be doing as a country is ensuring that voting is absolutely 100% not just accessible, but easily accessible, because that is that is the tool of of the conserv of like of, the, of a malignant conservative party that is trying to keep because if, if everybody who 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 everybody could vote who wanted to vote, like this country, yeah. this map would have been much much bluer. So you're not looking like people are saying, oh, I'm so disappointed of how many people voted for Trump or how many states turned red. Yeah, it's disappointing, but what you're really looking at is voter suppression. So. You know, there you go. So there's my like five-minute rant. You brought me on for that. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, while we're on the topic of actual voting, I need to ask your opinion about the Electoral College, which I find to be an antiquated and bullshit methodology for electing a president. Because it shouldn't it be one man, one vote, or one person, one vote, period. 
you know, that was always what I never understood. I understand the concept of proportional representation, but I think that when you when you're talking about the ability of individuals to now be able to vote by mail or vote in person and vote early, doesn't that really eliminate the need for the electoral college? What do you think? I absolutely do. The electoral college is absolutely designed to it's designed to benefit um, a conservative base because you have and and so and that's something that my my family has argued about for a long time is because Republicans want to keep the electoral college because it means that they can they have a chance of maintaining power even when they lose the popular vote. Um, but it's it's like let's say let's say but you know some of my Republican relatives live in blue states. It's like don't you want your vote to count? Your vote, your vote, right. you, you, you're putting, you know, you're, what, what, why don't you want your voice heard? And that's what's so, what's so sinister about this is that there's a, there is really like, it's, they're not even pretending anymore. It's like, no, we don't want every vote to count. Um, the Electoral College had a place in time when, um, when we really had to put people on horseback and send them to Washington to vote on behalf of their state. Okay. And you can also peel back the layers and look into it and say that there was still you know, people that there was still benefits for um, uh, states that were that were utilizing enslavement and enslaving people um, that there was benefits there. We could unpack that for a while, but logistically speaking, it was helpful at a time and place when people needed to show up and, and vote with an electoral college. In this day and age, where you can where states can count all their votes and basically call wherever they're supposed to call and be like, okay, here's mm-hmm. our state, you know, the, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why we still need the electoral college. Um, yeah, and, and I get that that's going to take a very, very long time. There's more states that are starting to um, lean in the direction of we give our electoral college vote to the winner of the popular vote. If we get enough states uh-huh. doing that, then the electoral college falls apart. Unfortunately, those states are still the blue states, right? The red states don't want to give up the electoral college, right? Um, right. And, right. And the, yeah, but there's also there's also a problem with this idea of, of of the representation that you're talking about because in many of these states, you know, some of, one of the ways gerrymandering works, gerrymandering, if you're not familiar with the um, with the term, listeners, is that it's when um, certain certain county or state boundaries are adjusted in order to benefit a specific party based on the number of people and in the area. So um, the fact that our census was, um, was stacked against, you know, there was the idea that there would be the idea that there would be a question about immigration status on a census is very hurtful mm-hmm. to uh, representation, yeah. both in the house and also in the electoral college, but also something that's really not right is that the um, state population in many of these states, they're using their prison population. So the prison population should not count toward um, the electoral college or the house representation because again those individuals can't vote first of all and second of all many people that are in prison aren't from that state they're only there because they are in prison and then in theory once they're released they're going to you know hopefully be able to go back to their their home um right but so there's there's using these numbers of imprisoned persons who don't have a voice in this it would be different if they could vote you know, if you brought the ballots into yeah. the prisons, but they don't. And a lot of times that's how yeah. many of the red states are able to keep their numbers up for the House and for the electorate is by counting incarcerated yeah. citizens, which is another absolutely repugnant tool of gerrymandering and voter suppression and mm-hmm. control. Yeah. <laughs> we have so much work it's to do, insane. y'all. It's like, celebrate, celebrate. But 
we're, we're not done yet. The we're one, far from done. We're far from done because the you know the Senate right now we still have a crack. I said crack. We still have a crack at two seats in Georgia Senate seats. Yes. If we could possibly and and I mean we can take today and rest, but quite honestly. For those of us who are interested in in the Senate flipping, uh, the work starts on Monday uh, for the vote count and to support these senators that hopefully can put us over the divide. Well, not over the divide, but at least bring us to even, which would make um, our vice president-elect the president of the Senate, which means she would be the tiebreaker in in deadlocked issues which is something we also need. Because if you've studied politics at all, you know that government really works when the president has the Senate and the House. Now, we've been dealing with a situation where all we had was the House, but we need the Senate too. So I would encourage you to check in with with Georgia specifically and the Senate races and, um, you know, give as much support as you can. I'm going to be as well. Yes. I have a lot of loved ones there. That's the first order of business is trying to at least bring the Senate up to even because it is very hard for a president to get anything done without the other two branches of government. So, and yeah. I, I want to speak. I want to speak about the Georgia Senate race and that uh, Raphael Warnock, who is running for um, Senate. I actually know him personally. Um, I've worked oh! with him through my day job. I do. I know him personally. His number is in my cell phone. <laughs> um, cool. I've, you cool. know, uh, yeah, I've worked with him quite a bit. Um, he is a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, he cares very deeply about um, matters that affect not just. Uh, the state of Georgia, but you know, he showed up for the work that we were doing in Florida. Um, so I, I, if you're not, if people are saying, oh, I'm not sure about this guy, he's a Christian pastor, let me tell you, he works across faith because how I've known him is an interfaith circle in which he um, works with, um, with people in the, the Buddhist sector and also with rabbis and with uh, people from, from different Christian backgrounds, which in the South is a big deal. People may not realize that outside the South, but for a Catholic and a, and a Baptist to sit down and share a meal together is not a small thing. And he, does, and he also knows I'm a big flaming witch, and he, I, I, I hope he considers me a friend. I consider him a friend because he's been a friend to me. Um, I've driven right. around. We've had a lot of wonderful conversations. And so, like, I, and I, know, I don't work for the Warnock campaign, but I'm saying as a friend, a, Raphael, a Pastor Raphael Warnock and a witch, y'all, if you've got mm-hmm. five bucks, please donate to Raphael, yeah. uh, Raphael Warnock's campaign. If you're in Georgia, you're the voting, I know the, if, if it goes to a runoff, please support Raphael Warnock. He will be a wonderful senator. And again, this is not like I shook his hand in a, in a receiving line. Like, I have, have traveled the country with this man, hours in the car, you know, weekends up in the mountains right. with, with, our, with our collective group. I know this person. He is going to be a right. badass senator. You know, so I say that because yeah. he may, make, may make, make a lot of witches nervous when they see that he's a pastor. No, no. He's, no, he's a, he is, yeah, he's a pastor, but more than that, he's a leader. And so if, yeah. if, 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 if the kindness that he has shown to me, knowing who I am and knowing what, I, what I'm about, you know, I, I, yeah. I want him in the Senate. 
So there you go. <laughs> that's a great endorsement. No, that's, I think that's actually what a lot of people may have needed to hear. Um, yeah. Because honestly, I'm not disturbed. I was not disturbed by the fact that he's a pastor. I'm, my feeling right now is if you're in the blue column, you get my support. You know, because I want the Senate back, because I do want government to be effective, and I do want change to happen, and I do want the ACA protected and expanded um, for the vision that people actually deserve health care, that they shouldn't have to earn it. It should be a human right to be covered to not have to live in fear of going to a doctor or live in fear of needing an operation. I think it is a human right that just by the fact that you're born, you deserve to expect these things. I think personally, I think education, education should be a right at least through two years of college. This is, you know, if you want to go for, you know, doctorates and whatnot, if you want to negotiate what that should cost, okay, that's a separate issue. But I think the basics to produce a successful human being in this world, we are not equipping people to have the fundamentals covered so that they can actually focus on a successful career or being successful, whatever kind of thing they choose to do. I think people need their basics handled, and I believe healthcare and education are basics, and I believe they should be a right. Yay! (laughs) My platform. But, you know, I want to congratulate my fellow voters because in spite of intimidation at the polls, a per- gerrymandering all over the place. I live in North Carolina, which is heavily gerrymandered district-wide. I mean, it's impo- It's just difficult here if you're a liberal. Yes. Um, in spite of the court threats from Trump, in spite of, you know, the, the, the out-there supporters, um, who, you know, like to scare people by threatening to show up in towns if Trump loses, all of that. In spite of all of these things and all of these attempts to suppress the vote, our folks still got over 4 million votes so far. And I yes. got to tell y'all, I, I went to vote early, first day of, of early voting, my entire family said, we're not waiting. We're going to make this happen, and we're going to make it happen in person. So we showed up. It was tense. A lot of people were nervous and tense. And, you know, it wound up being fine. We didn't encounter any issues, nor did we witness any. Um, and the four of us actually all went to four separate places. And the reason that was done was because the two sons were working at the time that we left. We went to two different places to vote so that one person could stand online if the voter had to go to the bathroom, have a drink, needed a snack. I I packed a go box. I mean, I put in toilet paper, paper towels, wipes, drinks, food, (laughs) books, chargers, two phones. 
I mean, I was prepared that if I had to sleep over at a polling station, I was going to oh be my ready. God. Did you bring I a had tent? chairs in the car. Huh? Oh my God. <laughs> Did you bring a tent? You know, that was probably the one thing that if I'd had it, I would have brought it, but I didn't have one, so I didn't. Um, but I was ready. <laughs> I was certainly, I was certainly, certainly ready. I had blankets in the car. Oh, you don't know, girl. I was ready. I wasn't playing. This was a serious yeah. situation for me. But, you know, the first the first spot, we, we were in line, first, first in to vote. Second place we went, hour and a half start to finish with a huge line at an arena. We went to vote at an arena. Oh, my God. That was great. Oh, yeah, because we figured lots of spacing um, and, you know, a very, very public place. Because we didn't know, even though we're in a blue city, we didn't know who was coming to visit us. We're still in the South. So, but we got it all done. We were home before lunch. It was amazing. And... In spite of all the scares and all the noise and all the threats and all the bullshit, we got it done, America. It was a slow go. You know, it was funny because last night, we didn't know last night, of course, and I'm thinking this morning when I wake up, oh, I wonder if we're going to know anything before we go on the air today. And I was like, nah, probably not. The biggest thing I was anticipating was another information dump, ballot dump from Pennsylvania that maybe yes. would have made the lead. It may have like added another 10,000 to the lead and just watching the leads in all of the undeclared places go up slowly. Um, shock of my life when I came back into the living room and you hear that music, NBC, we're about to announce something important music. Yes. And yes. Dun, 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 breaking news. Joe, and I burst into tears. My husband burst into tears. I'm taking pictures of my TV screen and posting it. Here's evidence. We did this. So, I mean, you know, it's been tears of relief. Um, I haven't slept well in four years. Seriously. Yep. Nope. I've woken up yeah. every morning thinking, what did he do now? <laughs> yeah, check check my phone first thing in the morning. Did we nuke anyone? Like, yeah, that's my thing for a long yeah. time. Is this the day we nuked North Korea? Oh no, they're friends now. Okay, um, <laughs> but it it's changed such a, really. Such a, was, we had no idea what was going to come next, and I think that level of not knowing. I mean, listen, I like being excited like everyone else. But I don't need it on a daily basis so that, I mean, I, some days I was afraid to go to sleep because I didn't know if we were going to wake up the next day because of the things he has said and threatened. And when you're talking about the yes. leader of the free world, you know, yes. those words carry weight whether he means it or not. And people right. will react whether he meant it or not. So, you know, we basically we basically gave four years of the country's life to a five-year-old with a temper tantrum. I, I actually see it more like we gave, we gave um, uh, four years of our, of our country to Tywin Lannister, but Joffrey's on the throne. You know, yeah. for those who are watching Game of Thrones, yeah. so if, you're, if, you're not from, if you never watched the show, um, had an absolutely devastatingly terrible ending. Um, <laughs> 
I think as it was not good. It's fallen up on the books. Oh, it was bad. I have a whole. I've I've written a whole other ending in my head, which I can share with you later if you want. But um, I you know the end is that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a, a child who was put on the throne, and he threw tantrums, and he had people beheaded because he didn't like them, and he he had people you know he he tore tongues out because they you know made a joke about his mom. I mean, just absolutely repugnant you know behavior, and and would only really listen to people who were constantly flattering him and everybody knew he wasn't in charge who was in charge was his grandfather who was honestly the one right. who was doing all and even like with you know the different kingdoms they're at war nobody was saying we're at war with Joff, with king joffrey they're all like we're in we're in uh that war with tywin lannister and joffrey's grandfather you know yes so um and that's that's where i feel like we we're dealing with but when i say it's, it's tywin it's like Mitch McConnell and these these very these these rabid right like almost you know authoritarianism. Um, I mean, they're not even hiding what they're trying to do. It's just like Mitch was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put." They, he said right away, "Yeah, we're, we'll fill that seat." You know, even if it's an election year, we'll do it. He had no no shame, yeah. no shame at all. You know, and as even now, they're saying, "Well, we could just tell the Republican states to just put their own electors in. We can do that." I mean, they've even said that. William Barr has said that. Really? They, they don't care. This is, wow. this, is all, this is all a rehearsal for more to come. You know, and as, as I, I haven't read the article yet, but the headline was enough to scare me. It said that, you know, the next time we put an authoritarian, an authoritarian person gets into office, he, will be, he or she will be much more competent than who we have now. And, you know, um, and that's what's really scary is what if, what if we had someone in, in office who was, um, I mean, you could say I mean, Mitch McConnell is, a horrible, despicable human being, and though you have to admit he is competent and he, he, he is able, he is effective, and that's what's terrifying. So if you get someone who's in there who just say, yeah, we're just going to change, we're not, we're, we're going to ignore the Constitution, we're, we can change it, and we will. You know, right, I can put as many people, you know, I can, I can do whatever I want. I can ask, I can direct the Supreme Court to do what I want. Like, those, those are the kinds of things that we need to be prepared for. They, they're not even pretending to, to play along. They're not even pretending to play. Like, there's no... The, the rules of, of, you know, of decency and a handshake are gone. And really we have to that's, be, we have to look. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. There's no, like, there's no, there's no trust of like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass, you know, there'll be a peaceful transfer of power. That's the, the era of, of the, of the John McCain loser is over, you know, where it's like, yeah. you may not like his politics and he, he pulled some, he put Sarah Palin on the ticket, which was a huge mistake. Um, and, you know, he, he got into some dirty business and stuff, but he, at the end of the day, he's like, listen, I'm a politician. I'm not going to smear a person. And at the end of the day, you know, Obama won and I'm, I'm just going to concede gracefully and I'm going to still continue to do my work. I still have a lot of problems with the things that he supported. So I'm not here like crowing about John McCain as this great, you know, political figure. Um, but I do think that he was a decent human being at the end of the day who had respect for, the kind of, of of the kind of grace that we have we used to see among our political leaders, well, at least amongst each other, <laughs> you know. And that's and I, that's not that's not there. Yeah, anymore. and and I have to second that because I actually did appreciate John McCain, and I liked I actually liked John McCain um, back in you know two thousand. You know, I thought John McCain was a decent person. He did get into some things and some areas that I, I was not cool with, so I, I agree with you. But he was one of the last 
gentleman who you knew that if you told him, Senator, you've lost, he would say, you know what, okay, and he wouldn't throw a hissy fit, and he wouldn't stamp his feet, and he wouldn't call his lawyer. He would gracefully say, I will pray for the next president, and we must come together. Because unity is the hallmark of our country. The peaceful transfer of power is is apparently nothing more than a gentleman's agreement and a handshake that we all thought was written down somewhere. Folks, it's not written down anywhere. Donald Trump does not have to concede at all. He does not have to say anything at all. All he has to do is on the 20th of January of 2021 be moved out. That's the only thing he has to do. So I I would tell folks, to expect more of this nonsense, um, more belligerent speech, more hateful speech, probably accelerated hateful speech, I dare say, some inciting of, of violence. Do not be surprised by any of this. The wounded dog does not just go lay down. He bites. So I'm just yes. going to tell folks celebrate today, enjoy the weekend, but be on guard. This is not done until somebody said Joe Biden's feet are under the resolute the resolute desk. And I have to kind of agree, a lot can go down in the next couple of months. It's, you know, Trump is still president, whether we are happy with that or not. What is, is. But I will say, speaking to what you were saying, bless. Speaking to what you were saying a minute ago, oh, you're fine. I think that we need to take another look at the rule book and kind of shore up some of the things that have had these incredible amounts of gray area because we didn't know they needed to be agreed to and defined different worlds. Uh, when we understood that, you know, gentlemen say yes, please, and thank you, and when they're told no, they take no for an answer. Um, so I think, you know, like Nancy Pelosi got a lot of heat for trying to shore up the information on the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment, amongst other things, speaks to the removal of a president for being incompetent, dangerous, treasonous fill in the blank on the reasons why you would remove somebody from office. (laughs) Impairments, impairments of of varying degrees, sure. But those things were not clearly defined. A president um, not being able to be sued or um, brought before a court, um, all of these things need to be redefined. You know, Trump at one point came out and said, Uh, No one can touch me because I'm the president, I'm the law, and, uh, you know, William, he had William Barr, his lapdog, supporting everything he was saying and, you know, declaring all these rules basically null and void and rewriting the book in the middle of the process. Um, But a president should be able to be brought up on charges if he's committed a crime, whether or not he's a president. Right. And these Right. And none of these things are definitively written, and they need to be. They need Now we mm-hmm. know they need to be because, we, as you said, we are past what was normal. We are past the John McCains that graciously say, 
I accept my defeat. Yes. Yeah. And, and they, like, is that many, I'm not even including Mitt, I'm not even including Mitt Romney in that because Mitt Romney, although he did gracefully concede, he also he also had no problem with the Republicans, you know, bulldozing the Supreme Court. So he can he he can go fuck himself as far as I'm concerned. Like <laughs> he's like, well, True. yeah, it's fine. I'm like, no, like you know what, Mitt? I almost thought you were a human being. You were almost a human being, but then no, you 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 forfeited your right to get any sort of uh, like yeah. So no, go go fuck yourself. Uh, but my favorite memes. Again, going back yeah. to Game of Thrones, was um, yeah. was John McCain's face superimposed over the Queen of Thorns' face? And it's yes. Just, I want you to tell Donald it was me again. And sorry, spoiler alert for those watching Game of Thrones, but just for the context, it's uh, um, yeah. uh, one of the one of the queens, um, basically, or high lady, um, basically admitted to killing someone as she was dying. And she just said, I want them to know it was me. <laughs> yeah. I, it was so I good. And I, I burst. But, you know, let me just speak to what you just said about Mitt Romney. And people did this across the board with a lot of different folks, including Susan Collins, including Mitt Romney, and some other people. Don't confuse a dislike of Donald Trump with not being a conservative. These folks are deeply conservative. And just because they don't, if this is not a situation where the enemy of my enemy is my friend, these people are not our friends. Um, nope. They do, not, they do not support the way we live. They do not support our right to believe what we believe. A lot of them don't even support our right to love who we love. Uh, and yes. I want folks to remember that. Uh, we can agree on some things. For example, John McCain single-handedly saved the ACA. Yes, because he knew, he paid attention, and he cared enough about the country and the people in it. I believe John McCain is probably one of the last few true statesman-like Republicans that believed in his country. I was sad at his passing, not because of some of his votes or some of the things he believed, but when push came to shove, he saved health care for millions of people. And that, that mm-hmm. counts. It does count. It has to count. You have to give credit where credit is due. You know, I, I would hate to have everyone measure me solely by my mistakes. So for that reason... You know, John McCain does have a special place in my heart for not just being a party man, and he did the right thing. So, you know, again, Mitt Romney is never going to vote for something liberal like that. You know what I mean? He's going to be his conservative self. He's a Mormon. He has certain religious tenets that he adheres to, and that's just the way it is. You know, we've we've just got to remember that, while we can agree on some things, that doesn't mean we're on the same side. So, you know, and also, like, and also, yeah, I mean, my my issue with my issue with Mitt Romney was less about how he votes because, yeah, it's like you said, he's conservative. He's going to vote that way. My issue with him was that he um, he was he had no problem with the Republicans pulling that kind of like he had no problem with the way the Supreme Court was handled. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he, mm-hmm. he bought that, 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 that repugnant line that says, well, the people have voted. 
They support the Senate. Therefore, they support who we choose. That is BS. That's not how it works. You know, and True. it's like, it's, it's so, because it's they're, they're going back on what they said, let's let the people decide. Well, if, you, if that's where you're going for, then you should let the next president pick. And he just, he, he, he bought into their completely, I don't like the term gaslighting. I think it's, I, I know it's a real thing, but I think it's overused. This is absolutely a, an example of gaslighting. It's like, well, no, we should let people decide. Well, the people have decided, well, no, it's not that you, 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 you flipped on us and you're using this word to make us feel like we're crazy. Right. Um, and, and so I, yeah. I, I, that's where, that's where he lost me. Okay. So he's going to, he's going to vote against the things I stand for. And he's, you know, he's, he doesn't, it's like, I know that I, you, you, you know that about these people when they go in there, it's when they, they pretend like I really care about this country and I care about this democracy. And then they, they act that way where they're like, well, you know, I'm just going to go along with what is, is clearly an abuse of power then it's like you've, you've, you've lost all credibility. You've lost all anything that you could do to make yourself sound like you actually give a shit about this country. You don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't. And you care about your issues, and you do not care about the country. And I wanted to ask you, speaking of the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court was not always nine. Excuse me. Right. And a lot of people are talking about, and I'm going to, and let me just get this out there. People talk about court packing, quote unquote. Court packing is not necessarily a bad thing, depending on what you believe. And I'm going to say that completely as a liberal Democrat um, and a witch, I'm going to tell you that, yes, I want it leaning on my side. um, But my concern about the rush for the Republicans to ignore Merrick Garland's duly appointed seat, Dole, where do we draw the line as far as not stealing it back? Where do we draw the line because they did it to us now twice, okay? They denied right. two seats that were two seats that were legitimately – supposed to be Democratic seats, Merrick Garland's, and if you follow the McConnell rule book, Joe Biden's, to yes. a point. So do we then turn around and install a minimum of two additional justices? How far up, how many seats can you add before it just becomes a joke? What are your thoughts on this? Because I kind of have two opposing thoughts in my head about it. Like, should it stay the same and we should just course correct as time goes on? Do we try to dismiss or impeach someone because of how they got in? What are your thoughts on this? So um, I do. Well, I, I would love to see the Democrats become um, get a little tougher with how they deal with Republicans. I don't feel like court mm-hmm. packing is the way to go. I feel like that is a short-term solution because you know what? The Republicans will come back and they'll add two more and it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Right. What I would like to see instead right. is a constitutional mm-hmm. amendment that limits Supreme Court judges to 18 years. So if that's the case, that it means that yes. each, um, each president will have the opportunity to put someone on the court, which I think is fair. Um, and so I, I think that that will, that will also reflect the will of the people 
because it will be the president that they, in theory, you know, also considering voter suppression, but in theory, um, the person that we have elected president, each president will have an opportunity to put someone on the Supreme Court. So that is what I would like to see. I would like to see, actually, I'll say, you know, let's just hold it at nine. Let's make a constitutional amendment. It is nine going forward because I don't want the Republicans to have the opportunity to put seven members on, which let's not think for a moment that right. they would not do that. So oh, I, I, yeah, court, pa- court packing feels right, but that is a short-term solution. I'd say, nope, let's keep it at nine. Let's make that a firm amendment and let us, um, let us limit the term to 18 years. And let's say that that, that includes where the, the, where the people have started. Maybe, maybe we give some grace period for somebody who's been there like 20, say, okay, you can have, you can have five more years on the court. Because you get some kind of grandfather clause where we're like, we're not going to kick you off tomorrow, but your time is now limited. And that means that for a while, we may have a very conservative court for another 10 years. But it means that ongoing, it doesn't mean that for generations we'll have that. It means that going forward, that every, everybody, every president will get a chance to put somebody on the court. That, to me, feels right for the long haul. So if, without, if, if I could wave my wand and do two things at the Supreme Court, nope, that's it. Nine justice, that's it. No more. All right? I don't want the Republicans to have any opportunity to put anybody else on there. And they all get 18 years each. That's it. So, okay, Amy, can we bear it? But she only has 18 years on there, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, of, instead of the 40 she could likely serve. <laughs> well, know? and, you know, I, um, and I, to, further, to further that question, though, what are your feelings about the age or the gender? Should we have it, keep it at nine, agreed? Do we then say the, the Supreme Court needs to be made up of two people under 50, two people over 50, two women, two men, one tossa? I mean, you know, whomever. Is there a way to make it more equitable that we could have more seats on the at, at the table instead of it being so divisive and in some cases so old? I mean, you know, you're talking about a lifetime appointment. Why is it a lifetime appointment? I don't understand how they landed on that. Yeah, that's... You know, I haven't really thought about, like, um, thought about that. To, to be honest, um, I would trust, I would trust the, the wisdom of somebody who's older on the court and someone who's younger. Younger people tend to be more, uh, more radical. And while that's great if you're progressive, it's scary if you have a young neocon on there. Um, I feel that, that people, I feel that people, I feel, and ge- and there's always exceptions. But I feel like there tends to be the sense of if somebody's older, they're going to be old-fashioned. And I have not always seen that. Um, I think specifically, I remember talking to, to when I was uh, doing some research of uh, different, um, actually back on doing some research on some Christian paths many, many years ago, um, someone said mm-hmm. to me, you need to interview an old pastor and a young pastor. And he said, the young pastor, I guarantee you, is going to be the much more fundamentalist, the much more um, strict and stringent and yeah. inflexible, yeah. and the older pastor is the one who's going to be seeing more sides of the coin. And so I don't, yeah. I don't go so far as to say you've got to have a youth vote in there. If, if this, I'm thinking more about, I, I, I'm thinking more about how this person has treated their position. Uh, if they're a younger mm-hmm. person and they have, um, 
they have, you know, they have voted more about like, um, you know, in, in giving each case um, appropriate, you know, appropriate consideration without a specific agenda on there. Um, you know, as progressive as I am, I think it's, it's, it's fair to have people that are more moderate or centrist in the court. Right. You know, I, I, I want to be, I want to be pulling along a centrist court is what I want to do. Um, because if you get a, you get a court that leans a lot to one side, even if it's my side, you're going to have the opposite, you know, side pulling even harder. So it's like, let's, sure. let's, you know, I, I would, but I, um, but when it comes to like the balance of, of gender, I just think of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. It's like there will be enough women on the Supreme Court when there are nine. And so I'm like, let's, I'm like, I, you know, let's just fill it up with, with people who identify as women or non-binary yeah. folks. Let's just do it. <laughs> sure. sure. No, you, you know, know that's where they pack the court. <laughs> that's a good way to pack a court, I think. But yeah. no, I mean, when I said, when I said younger, I meant just merely not, you know, people in their 80s. When I say younger, I mean like 50. So people with yeah. some life experience, but, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, resilient. But I, you know what? In, in hearing what you just said about interviewing an old pastor and a young pastor, and, you know, I have to agree with you. When you've had yes. a quantity of life behind you, you tend to actually let, in a lot of cases, more things go, as opposed to some folks who might be fresh and, fresh and full of ideas that haven't yet been proven out. So, yeah, I mean, I right. get what you're saying, and I, I see the wisdom in it. I, 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 I agree with you. Um, yeah, no, I like your perspective on it. I really don't want to expand it. I know it is still on the table and up for debate. Um, and I think some progressives would totally think it's a, it's a fine idea because of the way two of those seats were acquired. Now, yes. I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a way to correct that or not, but I do feel like there has to be a limit. I really do. I think that mm-hmm. once you start playing with these numbers, it, it's it's just going to get out of control. It's just going to yeah. be too unwieldy and too many people and too many opinions, and it would make court cases drag on so much longer. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's just yeah. So I think that's that's the way to go. Is that let's we need to we no more of these lifetime appointments. That's over. Eighteen years is great. You know, that gives people enough time to be on there, but it also gives each president the chance to put somebody on there, which is really, which is the right thing to do, you know, um, and, and that the, no more of this, you know, the, that the, the miss, you can't miss it anymore where you have, let's let the next president decide, no, 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 whoever is still in office gets to select the next Supreme, unless they're a lame duck, gets to select the next Supreme Court justice. That's just how it goes from now on. No, no, no. I don't care if it's a month from the election. You know, that's just, right. it's just, yeah, that's not, I, I, that's where, that's where I'm at at it. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think Biden and Harris are going to pack the court. I don't think that's what they want to do. Um, because I just, you know, they're, they're more moderate. Um, and I yeah. don't see that being the case. They, they're going to want, you know, but I think, um, wouldn't it be though delicious if we could, 
um, if, if Biden does get a chance to put somebody on the court and he puts Obama on there, wouldn't that just be delicious? That has been what I have been praying for. <laughs> I have been asking every God that listens to please, please make Barack Obama a Supreme Court judge, please. But, oh, you know, that would be I, so good. You know, he's qualified. He's an attorney. He's he's got a brilliant mind. There's no reason. He's certainly qualified. There's no reason why he would not make a fantastic Supreme Court judge. But I don't know if he wants to. And I think there's a desire factor that might be there. I think poor Barack Obama has been burned out by a lot of bullshit and uh, right. kind of likes his life. Kind of likes his life right now, but I think maybe if called to serve, he would do it. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's an idea that I love. That would be delicious. I would eat that up oh. with a fork all day. So good. <laughs> so good. Okay. <laughs> that would be so good. Well, Courtney, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Would you like to leave any parting words for the folks? Tell them about whatever you're writing, how they can get a hold of you, find your stuff, and all that good information. Yes. So my website is CourtneyAWeber.com, and so that's how you can keep in touch. I have a couple of classes. Um, I'm teaching a class. It's called The Dangerous Goddess, and it's on Tuesday the 10th uh, through Pathway of St. Louis. Um, it is a virtual class, so you can take it from anywhere, and it is recorded, so if you can't join us on um, Tuesday, you can uh, come back and, um, and take another time. So look up Pathways St. Louis, and you can register there. Um, I am on Instagram, on Twitter as The Cocoa Witch, and um, check out my podcast, That Witch Life, which is me and my two best friends of all time talking witchcraft and making fun of each other. So it's a great time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Wow. So, yeah, and I got a book on Hecate coming out. Yeah, oh, I got a book on Hecate really? coming out this summer. Yeah, yeah, next summer in August. And um, I have books out on the Morgan and Bridget and a book on reading tarot for yourself called Tarot for One. Um, so definitely pick them up. And if you have them and you haven't reviewed them on, um, on Amazon or Goodreads, please, please, please do. It's so, so very helpful. So yay. Oh, that's awesome. Courtney, thank you so much for spending some time with me and hanging out with me on this incredibly wonderful day of release. <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. Um, but, you know, everybody definitely relax this weekend, but the work starts again on Monday. We've got a win seat. This isn't over yet. Yes. Yes, know? absolutely. Uh, cool. Yeah, Courtney, thank you so much again. We'll be talking to you about your new book shortly. Yeah. And we will rebook you for yes. that. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> All right. All right, Courtney, take care. Thanks so much for having All me. All right. Oh, thanks Bye. for coming. I really appreciate it. Bye. All right, guys, that's it for today. I will see you back here on Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. I've got a whole lot of shows lined up, and I will see you Thursday afternoon. Have a good one. Bye, everybody.